Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Sam Sanders and his best friends, writer Saeed Jones and journalist Tony Award-winning producer Zach Stafford, have a podcast where they make sense of what's going on in the news and our culture, from Elon Musk and foreign policy to how to heal from a breakup and SZA's album, S.O.S., they check the vibe of what's going on in the world and how it all feels. It's your favorite group chat. Come to life. Join the weekly Kiki every Wednesday. Listen to and follow Vibe Jack wherever you get your podcasts. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for season four, episode seven of Succession on HBO. Excuse me, Max. And season two, episode five and six of Yellow Jackets on the beleaguered Showtime Network. My name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, it's market moves. Get your money ready. Get those stocks and bonds. It's happening. It's Succession, season four, episode seven. It's depressing. <laughs> but the money is moving. The money's moving. In the airlock. Speaking of depressing, it's Yellow Jacket season two, episode oh. five and six, back from that absolutely heart-wrenching break to an absolutely oh. heartbreaking episode. Oh, just it, prepare yourself. Nerd out. Guess what? It's a Yellow Jackets theory from listener Chauncey. I love it. So we're ready. Yellow Jackets time is here. Coming up, market moves. DOJ, legal arm of the GOV gov. There's also the FTC, FCC, FBI. It's market moves. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's market moves and it's election eve, folks. As we talk about episode seven of Succession Tailgate Party on here on Market Moves, your number one source for getting rich, getting rich, paid, rich, 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 rich. getting more money than you know what to do with, spending the entire GDP of the of Serbia just to get something nice for yourself because you deserve that. Welcome to Market Moves. As I said, it's election eve in the Succession universe, which means a big ATN party at Casa Wamsgans hosted by Tom and Shiv. What do you think about that? They should not have hosted this party together. I could have told them that last week. I understand that they were feeling lonely. They had to reconnect. But this was a bad move. I would sell, sell, sell on Tom and Shiv. Well, Just saying. I think you're you're jumping the gun because before you sell, before you buy, let's talk about something that's, that's uh, red hot, and that's the sexual... Oh. Relationship. <laughs> Tom and Jim rejuvenated. <laughs> rejuvenated. They're back together, at least on the physical plane. Shiv, meanwhile, is acting as Matson's informant on the inside of Waystar Royco. She's letting the Swede in real time know how her brothers intend to tank the Gojo deal, which is huge because Ken's. Living plush spiel sent Waystar's stock into the stratosphere. Tom, 
because they have things are going so uh-uh. well, at least the sex. They can't stop texting about it. It's disgusting. They are also like incredibly boring texters. Yeah, it's like, like really sad. <laughs> How's the sex? Oh, it's good. Unbelievable. How's your penis? Oh my God. Uh, it's hard. It's still hard. <laughs> Richness, <laughs> money. It's not giving them any uh, good sexting skills. Um, Tom gives Shiv the gift of a scorpion in some sort of plastic, some sort of acrylic. I wish we knew what uh, company put the scorpion in the acrylic so he could invest in it. But he does this, one, because it's a reference to the famous frog and the scorpion mm-hmm. uh, 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 tale, which is a lesson about how the parable about how the scorpion is across the river and the frog is there. And he says, hey, um, frog, I need to cross the river. Can I get on your back? And the frog's like, I don't know. You're a scorpion. You sting because you have the stinger, and that's how it goes. And the scorpion's like, no, I won't do it, I promise, because if I, if I stung you, you would, you would die, and then I would drown, so I'm not going to do it. And then as the frog is taking the scorpion across uh, the river, it stings it, and and this is the thing that Tom is referencing here. Very romantic. I think it's very <laughs> romantic. I think it's wonderful. And he says uh, that it's because uh, Shiv is being, quote, such a hot piece of ass and, quote, a foxy little minx. And I think that's wonderful. I want to say, if Tom had just bought Shiv a nice piece of jewelry here or something vaguely sentimental... I feel like the whole fallout of this episode could have been avoided, but it is actually good that the episode goes the way that it needs to go because this is just truth occurring. This scorpion, that will go down in all-time TV terrible gifts, but I loved every second. I don't think it was that bad. I think it was kind of funny, and I think Shiv, uh, I think Shiv is just a person who can't take any criticism or reference to how shitty she has been, Mm -hmm. but also Tom is shitty. So it's hard to unwrap these things. I think Tom, I think you raise a great point. I think Tom was ready to be more self-aware and like snarky and self-referential about how toxic their relationship was. Shiv is not ready for that. Shiv wanted to settle back into this idea that they had some great marriage that was passionate and they loved each other and they could trust each other, but that's just not true. Ken Roy is busy working on things that are <laughs> happening on six continents, and he's doing it all because he wants to protect his children. Allegedly. Allegedly. On that note, he meets Rava, his ex. Rava has called this meeting, which Ken barely has that. Listen, I, if this is a legal thing, he says, like, I just don't have time for it. I, get, I don't have the bandwidth. I got all this stuff happening, this Gojo and the Swede and all this stuff and the Living Plus and all that stuff. What's going on? And she says, OK, what happened is our daughter Sophie was pushed by a person who was wearing a Ravenhead hat, and they also kind of said something of a racial nature. Now, Ravenhead, you might recall, is the ATN anchor who who has read Mein Kampf several times. He's a Nazi! And has named his dog Blondie after Hitler's dog uh, Blondie, R.I.P. Blondie. Um, Ken... Uh, flips out saying uh, to Rava, like, where were you? Why was our daughter on the street? Like, I would do anything to protect you. You must tell me all the details. And Rava's like, why don't you try calling her every once in a while? Rava's like, where was I? Raising your daughter. Raising your daughter while you were who knows what. 
Prop number one here on Market Moves. What's the longest a parent can go without talking to their child and still be considered a good parent? How long? Let's say the child is 13. I'm going to be controversial here. If Kendall Roy was my dad, I would actually think it was better for him to not call me. So I'm saying the longer he goes, the better parent he is Interesting. To I'm saying, I don't want Kendall Roy calling my child. Interesting. I, don't want Roy me. I think you can go 18 hours. You have to call every day. Oh. At 13? He's not been calling her 18 months. I'm just letting you know that. I I agree with you. It's been been years, um, certainly months. But I think it's, you have to, I think if it- A text maybe? One text a day? I think if it doesn't average out to something like once every business day, then- Probably something is wrong. And I think, let's put an absolute floor on it, three and a half times a week. I think that's good because also it could start with once a day when you get the divorce and you just want the kid to know you're there. And then it can become more of a chill routine thing. But we know for Kendall, it can go down. Yeah, it can go down But you've got to have the consistency. Yes. I think. Okay, now what about eight years old? Eight years old. You should how- be calling him every night to say good night. Let's be real. If it's your good parent, Kendall Roy, he's probably sending okay. some money. Okay, but what if Ken is working on things in, on six continents? Then he can call so six times every, from each continent. Every continent <laughs> minus Antarctica, but we're working on something there, obviously. And by the way, stock tip of the day: look for Waystar Royco to expand into Antarctica. That's an exclusive scoop. There's You're something right happening here. there. I can't really Support talk about the it. Support the Patreon for more links, like more more tips. Meanwhile, on the Gojo front, Ken and Roman are pulling out all the stops to kill this deal, to murder it in its crib. That means full penetrative rat fucking and attempt to find any issue at all, personal or professional, with which to attack Matson to get him out of their hair in case the stock bump fades or Matson decides to come over the top of 192. He somehow finds the juice to come over 192. Also... Like, props to Ken for this living plus stock bump, this completely uh, fictitious mm-hmm. technology slash real estate mashup. It's amazing that this bump has taken place, but it might, it could fade. You never know. I will say, horrible to say it, but if you're say here. It. This is market moves, say it. I'm saying, if you're here for the money, hard if you're truths. here for the moves, this is the hard truth. Kendall's nightmarish, manic, performance with the stock bump and how good Roman is at rat fucking, that is a powerful combination if they could keep that consistent because Roman finds that shout quickly through like one phone call. He doesn't have to cozy up to Lucas. He doesn't have to play a game. He wants it done and he has those connections. That is a dangerous pairing. The problem is we know that the two of them are not consistent. This guy knows how to fuck a rat. He knows how to fuck a rat. That's one thing people say about Roman Roy. The boys... Speaking of rat fucking, they need an expert. You don't just go amateur when it's time to rat fuck. Mm-mm. You have to go for a professional. And so the boys invite Democratic strategist, former shivoy <sighs> fuckboy, and uh, current chief of staff, something to uh, Gil Evis and also affiliated with the uh, with potential president-elect Jimenez. They call Nate in to work the regulatory angle 
Shiv gets word of this and she calls Lucas to warn him, hey, my brothers are going to go regulatory. Why don't you come to the ATN election party? My dad, before he died, bending over the toilet to fish his his uh, phone out, <laughs> did invite you to the ATN election party. So why don't you just come to the party because you need to counter this regulatory strategy. Meanwhile, Greg, acting as uh, Tom Wamsgan's hangman, fires 100 folks from ATN in three days. Prompt via number Zoom, two, via, via Zoom. Zoom. And honestly, that's the kind of empathy and warmth and emotion that I, ex- that was beautifully done. I have to say, I feel like that is one of the realest moments that has ever been in succession. Is it really that you're was. getting fired by some nepo baby over Zoom who's reading. He's not words even a full of, nepo he's baby. He's not even a full baby. He's a cousin like a nepo quarter, baby. A quarter of a nepo baby. He's a nubby. Just the just the a a nep. Nep. <laughs> Just <laughs> a nep. And you're getting fired by a nepo baby over the f- Zoom with cards, and he can't even read them right. It was perfection. One thing uh, I'll note, and I think this is one of the most subtle. Um, subtle messages from in the world of succession. If you watch that Zoom, it's uh, a, I was surprised to see that uh, so many uh, women and women of color and people of color work at ATN. Mm-hmm. Always the first to go. Yep. That's what Tom Wamsgans know, knows, and that's what Greg is helping him with. Prompt number two. Are you a good person if you work for ATN? No. I just, I, I'm sorry. Look, everyone, everyone has to have a job. I understand that here at Market Moves, we have a very good job. We're very rich. We have millions of dollars, billions of dollars. We don't, you know, we can't really complain. But look, I worked in a lot of shitty jobs in my life. And there's always a shit job that you can take to pay the rent that is not working at ATN. That is not promoting like a neo-Nazi presidential candidate. Also, I think it's the ultimate trap. There are surely people there at ATN who are subjectively or even objectively like are good people and they want to change things from sure. the inside. They but love that their, doesn't happen. They love their they love their pets. They love their kids. They call their kids once every month. <laughs> good people work at ATN. Meanwhile, at the party, Roman gets a call from GOP presidential candidate Herr Menken. You know about Jared Menken, the neo-Nazi uh, fascist GOP candidate who we just mentioned. Team 1000 Year Reich is down in the polls. They're down from 1,000 years. It looks like it's going to be, I don't know, we can't really put a number on it, but certainly they're like 3% down in the polls. And they figure, hey, here's an idea from Camp Menken. What if presidential candidate Connor Roy, currently polling at 1% in Alaska and other states with similar wildlife to people ratios, (laughs) drops out. What if he drops out? The people who love Connor Roy, the conheads, might go Mencken. To sweeten the deal for Connor, they offer him the ambassadorship to, to Somalia. He counters with, hey, I'd love to get to Europe. Of course he would. Of course he would. Of course he'd love to get to Europe. What He says, what if I come up through the underbelly? What if I come up through the Balkans? <laughs> what about Albania? What about Croatia? What about uh, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina? What about one of those places? They say no. Okay. What about South Korea? Mm, top 10 in GDP and they have nukes? No. Okay. What about <laughs> North Korea? We don't have an ambassador there. Yeah, but what if I'm the guy? What if I open it up like Nixon in China? They're like, no. Okay, 
What about Oman? Interesting. Connor says, I'll take it to Willa and we'll see what happens. I will pitch Oman to her. Lucas arrives at the party in a gold shiny bomber. Ooh, and that outfit is unbelievable. I, unbelievable. And I think maybe my favorite detail from this episode. <laughs> Lucas Matson arrives wearing Kyrie's. Yes. <laughs> it is such a big state. And they're, con- <laughs> they're constantly in frame yeah, at all times. He's, he's always sitting in some funny pose so you can see that he's wearing Kyrie's. They want you to know that he's wearing Kyrie's. Lucas Matson probably knows nothing about the NBA, but huge fan of Kyrie Irving. <laughs> and that says what it says. It really does. Uh, the bros are thrown for a loop. They didn't expect Matson to be here. They have no idea that this is Shiv's doing. So they tell Shiv, you need to stick to him like glue, <laughs> okay, and find out what he's up to. She goes over to Matson. She says, listen, you need to act semi-normal. This is a big deal. You're on the biggest stage, right? Now. Act like you're Kyrie. You get the ball in your hands. Game seven, clock winding down. You need to act normal, like a normal capitalist who maybe fires like a hundred people over Zoom over three days, not some Eurotech, like data freak who just thinks of of people as like a, a, a way to acquire information and intelligence. Don't do that. Act like a person who just has a lot of money, a regular person who has a lot of money. Okay? Normal, normal. That's right. Later, Matson lobbies Nate, Nate uh, uh, Shiv's former uh, flame, telling him, listen, uh, I'm a normal guy, just like Shiv has been telling me to say, <laughs> these are safe hands, and and what are you going to do? You're going to let the deal go through to the fail sons, and they're just like their dad, but they're dumber? Like, I'm smart. I'm from Europe, and I create a gojo, yada, 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 you should give it to me. I'm wearing Kyrie's and a cool bomber. I'm cool. Um he also says, and also big changes at ATN. Like you don't like, as a Democrat, you don't like the messaging that comes from ATN because why? Because they support a neo-Nazi candidate. Big deal. But for you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to do regime change, like you guys did in Iraq. I'm going to do regime change there, and everybody out. You know who that means? Particularly that means Tom. Dun, dun. Whose apartment we're doing this in, but we're going to fire Tom, but don't tell him. He's standing right over there watching me say this, but don't say anything. Ken also pitches Nate. Hey, okay, I know you just had a minute with with Lucas Matson. Here's my pitch. What if you take Uncle Sam's big, muscly thighs and you wrap them around Gojo's neck and then you <laughs> squeeze? And in return for that, ATN will go easy like Sunday morning on uh, President Jimenez for his first hundred days. You walk into that first hundred days, that big press conference where you say, hey, here's what happened in the first hundred days. And and you go there without any criticism or anything from ATN. We're just going to talk about like how the water uh, is making people grow breasts on their cheeks or something <laughs> like that. The okay, frogs are going gay. That's right. Or how uh, Disney uh, now wants everybody to wear pink all the time. That's what we're going to talk about at ATN, not the president. Prop number three. Is this a good deal? Regulation for smooth sailing on ATN for 100 days. Good deal. Do you counter if you are Nate? I think Nate knows Kendall too well to know that Kendall cannot promise that. ATN, those people are going to say whatever they want. We know that. The anchors are going to say what they want. You can fire as many of them as you want. If you want the ratings, which Kendall wants, they're going to say wild shit and they're not going to support a Democrat or go easy on a Democrat. Also, this is a bad plan 
in general because they essentially want the regulation to stop the deal because they're going to say it's a monopoly issue, especially Something around the ga- sports. Yeah, the yeah, there's gambling. There's a sports crossover. Like, yes, gambling As we have seen in real life, when those mergers are stopped, both companies lose a fuck ton of money. So this is just a pure chaotic Kendall plan, and yeah, I think Nate yeah. sees through it. You can't have, like, a Swedish person with their head, corporate headquarters in Norway. That's, like, an antitrust thing. <laughs> They'll find something. That's the law. That's law. Ken and Rome discover, bum, 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 that Matson has been doing something untoward towards her, his head of communications, Ebba, this includes, but is perhaps not limited to, the sending of bodily fluids, certainly blood, perhaps others. And also hair, we learned. Hair. And also Which, to be fair, could just be stuck in the blood. We don't know mm, yeah, if that yeah, was intended yeah, 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 or what yeah, yeah. that was. So they, Glad you brought up that defense. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> let's cut the guy some slack. Obviously, that's bad. But, you know, like, anyway, they approach her. Uh, after Greg walks up and fake fires her on Lucas's behalf, kind of trying to uh, get close to the guy, and they discover from Ebba that Gojo's India numbers, the subscriber numbers from India, are fraudulent, a sham. They're fugazi. This is just the thing they need to get the government to kill the deal. They don't even need to get the government to kill the deal. They can just tell the board, hey, it's 50% stock in a company that's inflated because the Indian numbers are fake, and the board will absolutely reject the deal. I just want to mention, do you remember recently in the history of succession where somebody else named Kendall Roy inflated some numbers? I don't recall that. You don't recall? I don't. don't, That's very lucky. I don't recall that may have happened uh, and we may have Plausible talked deniability. about that. We may have talked I, I about it. I also don't recall. And if I did talk about it, then I just don't remember it right now. Sorry, I just changed uh, vitamins and I'm on a different <laughs> vitamin and it's messing me up. Um, this news sets Shiva shivering. She's oh. concerned because she has gone full Matson. She confronts him and he's basically like, yeah. But he's like, that's just how it's I have to say. The cookie crumbles, baby. This is exactly why I think Matson is so dangerous. Is because Matson is the only honest person. Now yeah. he's fucking horrible, yeah, you know? but he's honest about it. Yeah. He's honest about lying. He's honest, <laughs> he's honest about being it. a sham. He's yeah. honest about the way he abuses people. He's the opposite of the Roys who do all of that shit and struggle to repress it and keep it secret. But I did really feel for Shiv here because I had been enjoying watching Shiv just decimate and betray her brothers who had cut her out. But this turned on her way quicker than I expected. You send some blood. Maybe it's twice the amount of blood that you thought. Maybe, uh, Maybe the... Maybe the test tube is bigger than you expected and you have to fill it up. And now you've sent whatever the case may be. The Indian numbers, Lucas says, are imagine if there were two Indias, but there's then only one. Then they might make sense. Then they might make <laughs> sense. So in other words, they have 200 percented India. No wonder the stock looks great. Um, and he says, like, listen, here's what's up. It's not going to fucking matter. 
Sure, if this drags out the uh, the Reddit, uh, you know, Wall Street bets uh, subreddit people, those, <laughs> those under the bridge the gremlins down there, those meme stalkers, they'll get out there and they'll short me and they'll uh, put all sorts of funny little gifts under the under the short and stuff, and they'll they'll be mean to me, but. If this waste, if the waste star deal goes through and it goes through quick, then you just you do a little like Doug Henning, like a little magician. <laughs> you just kind of like go like this, and then like it's gone, it's gone. Shiv. Meanwhile, Roman chats with Jerry, who is attending the party, but she's very angry. She's angry because Roman actually did fire her, yes. as we saw uh, last episode. It was kind of like a half firing. It's gone full firing. He wants to pretend it wasn't a full firing. He's in covering yeah, mode. He's, oh, it wasn't oh, real. Wasn't I just real. I just said it. But oh, Jerry has had a true revelation here that I wish more people uh, around the boys would have. She's out. Uh, and Jerry says, listen, you did fire me. That was true. No, what? You did do it. And here is what I want in turn because I'm going full fucking legal on your yeah. ass. Okay? I want... Hundreds of millions of dollars. I watering sums, taking nothing less. Jerry is here for the money. We respect our market move. She deserves it. She's put up with this shit for too long. The money. All when you look at this figure, all the blood drains from your body and runs down out through your feet and you (laughs) die. That's how much money I want. Secondarily, Jerry says, I have hired a full PR team to craft the narrative around this separation. It's not going to be a firing. It's going to be a mutual parting away, something that makes me look good and makes me look like a fucking hot shot. And if you, Roman Roy, try to fuck with that narrative at all... For years. She's like, for five years, if I hear anything that contradicts what I say... I'm going Genghis Khan on your fucking ass, and I'm releasing all of the copious dick pics that you have sent me over the several months with which we had a very strange dalliance. So don't let that happen. And and what and Roman says, hey, okay. Yeah, he really doesn't have a choice. I think he in the I really believe in that moment he was like, I'm just giving her the money. <laughs> After talking it over with Willa, Connor decides to stay in the race. Anything can happen. This is the beauty of the system, and I've been saying this for years. I've been saying this for years, Rosie. The beauty of the American system is anything can happen. Anything can any, happen. Any, any dark horse candidate can suddenly become president. Now, Roman is pissed because uh, he's like, well, why are you listening to Willa and not like your brother? Uh, this is like really important. You've, you've gotten the carrot. You've been offered the ambassadorship to Oman. Take it. You're not going to be elected president. And uh, your wife, in air quotes, he says, doesn't know what she's talking about. But Khan goes with Willa because she's the only one who believes him. And I think that's sweet. Prompt number four, buy or sell Khan and Willa. How long do you give them? I'm buying Khan and Willa right now because I truly believe in the fucked up world of succession and the real world. I don't. I am not fully betting against the fact that Connor could become president just because it's so nightmarish. Anything can happen. Or could become vice president to Mencken or something. And I also think, look, we are Willa supporters here. I'm supportive of Willa. We are supportive of Willa. I would say... She's a playwright. She's a playwright. Talented writer. Talented writer. Creative. You know, they just bought a $65 million house. 
in it's a New fixer York. Upper. Oh, it's a fixer upper. You know, they need to stay there. They need to commit their time to that. They need to make sure that that's going to become the home where they want to live. They don't need to go to a mom. She doesn't need to decorate. What's she going to do? Take her mom to decorate the compound? When no. uh, when Khan uh, is is telling her about about Oman, the jewel of of Arabia, uh, she says, "Well, where would we live? In a compound in Muscat." And she would say, and she says, "But it's would we be above ground?" <laughs> my favorite Willa moment. I was like, I know she's been up late at night. <laughs> looking, she's been think? looking at those like uh, World think? War Three like yeah. fucking compounds underground that like go like six miles in a tube. She's been she's been planning. <laughs> she thinks they're gonna prepping. like live in Hobbiton or something. Oh, that would be nice. Um, I also agree. I'm going long on Con and Willa. I think they're gonna go the distance, and by the distance, I mean the natural lifespan of either partner. Yes, one of them will perish before the divorce I agree. is final. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> Lucas and Ken get into it in front of the whole party. It is very awkward and weird. Uh, they kind of start out with with Lucas kind of playing the like the uh, like the Euro supremacist card saying essentially like New York City is a, it's a second class city, not like any all the other first class cities like in the in the world, like, I don't know, Singapore, which is a city state or, or Seoul, Hong Kong or Seoul, says, yeah. you know, um, and then and then they pivot to. Gojo's numbers. Ken says, well, what about your India's numbers? That's pretty crazy. Looking huh? amazing. Like, you know, Almost like, unbelievable. Like, yeah. Then uh, Lucas has absolutely no comeback for this. And so he calls the, the living plus numbers, which Ken uh, pitched so ably in the previous episode. He calls them gay. I have to say this is actually a very accurate European insult. Like, sadly, like, that is still where we're at. Like, so much of my life, that was like, if something was bad, that's what people would say. Also, I just want to say, this is a classic... Lucas isn't actually an idiot and is not dangerous at all moment. Or he, he could have just done reflection. He could have just been like, what about your living plus numbers? Those were looking kind of crazy. And he could have just said exactly what Kendall said. But instead, he went for the weird homophobic insult in, <laughs> at a dinner party that somehow it was very strange. But it was, it was very, very strange. Perfectly awkward. Ken points out that that is, in fact, homophobic. And uh, strangely, Ken is right. They hug it out and Lucas leaves. Which was also extremely strange. Uh and then in the big Oof. capper to the evening, Tom, Oof. fed up with uh, 40 of the U.S.'s most important, most powerful, most culturally relevant people gossiping about how he's about to get fucking shit canned. Uh, he basically says, like, oh, Shiv, I'm going to bed. I can't take any more of this. She was like, what? Yeah, the party's not over yet. You got to stay up for like 45 more minutes. The votes are coming and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so they go outside and they have a huge fight about their relationship. In front it, of plate glass windows that everyone, everyone can see. Everyone can hear it. This is echoing across the canyons of New York City. Uh, Tom is saying that Shiv is broken. Uh, he's saying, uh, you wanted me to go to prison. She's like, you wanted to go, but you, you wanted, offered, to, you go to, offered to go to prison. He's like, but yeah, you, you were happy. You like couldn't wait for me to go to prison. <laughs> and uh, and she's like, but okay. 
all right, but I'm like super stressed because I put like a big bet on Matson, and it looks like Matson uh, has hit the iceberg and is going down. And he says we should never have gotten married. And uh, and she says, yeah, that's right because you're a hick and your family are strivers and are fucking losers. And also your mom Caroline likes me better than you. So what does that say? And then finally she says, uh, she says, I don't even care about you. You don't deserve me, and you never did. Yeah, and that comeback comes after Tom tells her you shouldn't be a mum, which we all know is super brutal because Shiv is currently pregnant. That's as right. far as we know, maybe as with far Tom's we baby, know. it's unclear there is a baby at play. This was just an unbelievably hard-to-watch argument. It was very, very hard to watch. And then the, uh, the, uh, the palate cleanser for this, the Ooh. ginger, as they say, uh, is Ken talking to Frank saying, hey... Ken is such a little fucking snake. <laughs> he's like, hey, come with me. We're going to run it back. Frank is like, I don't understand what does this, that mean? this lingo of the children. Uh, I don't... Un- what does that mean? And he says, this is what we do. We go reverse Viking, right? Gojo's numbers are inflated. Once that news hits the street, they're going to be buyable. We buy them. Waystar Royco buys Gojo, and then we rule the world. Frank, are you in? And he's like, okay, well, but what about uh, what about Roman and Shiv? And he says, I don't know. What about him? He's well, like, I don't see him here. I love Do you see them, him? But I'm not Where in are love they? with them. That's right. <laughs> Do you see it? You have them in your pocket, Frank? Where are they? Or they're not here. That's right. It's you and me. Do you want in? Prompt number five. Is Ken the new Logan or will he go down in flames at the end of this season? I would love to see him go down in flames because I think he is just a soulless person. But I think if we look at the reality of succession, I think now would be a smart time to buy in on Kendall because I do believe that he could potentially become the next Logan. And I think we could end... You heard it here first! Bye, 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 bye. I think we could end in a situation where essentially nothing has changed, which I think is kind of the point of succession, where you end up with a new shithead that everyone in the family hates but kind of has to bow down to. In my dream, I want to see it where it's like Greg is in charge because that's just so terrible. (laughs) But I think the way Kendall is moving and the way that Frank is tempted by this deal, even though he's wanted to be out, I think... Three episodes left. I think Kendall has a chance. I think that he's going down. I love to hear it. And I think he's going down, not in flames, but in waves. He says notably to Lucas, I am the wave. I am the wave that's going to wash you away. And when I say waves, I mean the water that drowned the waiter at Shiv's wedding. I think just like... Roman Ken a rat ah! fucking Lucas. I think Lucas, he's not just like some uh, stationary prey. He must have his minions out there as well looking for rats to have intercourse with. And I think if he finds the right rat, that rat will divulge that Kenneth Roy killed a guy. Okay, I will say. Full I just, out killed a guy. I'm. This is an out there one. I wouldn't bet on it. But if you're brave, if you want to take a risk. He killed! Who, as you mentioned, was so great at rat fucking today? It was Roman. Kendall has just gone into that room, essentially said, fuck Shiv, fuck Roman, you know, fuck the fail bros, fuck the co-CEOs. Roman could be the one 
to rat fuck Kendall. And oh, we know baby. Roman's good at it. Shiv can do it too. Uh, notably, Ken admitted to his siblings that yes, he did kill. And uh, listen, I hate to pull this card, but is that not one of the Ten Commandments? Don't do it. <laughs> right? That's it says right there on number three or four. It's, it's been like, around hey, for like thousands of years, guys. Yeah, Didn't you know by now? Thou shalt not. Number one is like the false idols. Number two is something else. Be good to uh, your neighbors. Don't kill someone. Yeah. Then there's like the coveting one. And then there's like, hey, don't kill. And that includes waiters at your sister's wedding. Don't do it. And yet. And it's illegal. <laughs> I think it's going to come out. I love to hear I it. I think Lucas and or Shiv and or Roman are going to hang that dead waiter around <laughs> kids. R.I.P. to that waiter. And I think it's finito, folks. For Kenneth Roy, short that stock right now. Up next, Yellow Jackets. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. stepping out of the airlock and into Yellow Jacket season two. And because there was a break, we're doing episodes five and six. We're going to be a bit speedy through five so we can get into the real meat, pun absolutely intended, Ooh. of episode six. <laughs> episode five, Two Truths and a Lie, directed by Ben Seminoff and written by Catherine Kearns and Sarah L. Thompson. Picks off right where we left off, end of episode four, adult van. She's running a VHS store. She's recommending queer cinema classics like Cheryl Dunya's Watermelon Woman. She's schooling kids on VCR, on all the things that you need if you want to watch an old videotape. And then lo and behold, who walks in? It's Ty. And she's looking fucked up, as always. She's looking real fucked up. It's, it's going bad. And in the 90s wilderness, Lottie's followers are growing. She's doing some innocuous morning meditation. Sure. Doesn't seem that bad. Doing some breathing, listening to things. But there's a weird underlying threat of her becoming ever obsessed with Shauna's baby, who she can't wait to meet. Speaking of Shauna's kids, Callie still dating a cop. I mean, this is, listen, (laughs) I know that cops, they can do almost anything except for when you ask them if they're a cop, they have to tell you. Obviously. But like, that's like, it's like when you invite a a vampire into your house. Yeah, once you're invited. Once you're invited, they can do anything. So... But this feels like you can't do this. It feels like you can't do this. I have to say this. You can't date a high school girl. You literally can't date a high school girl and then still use the stuff she told you. So... In a rare move, which I think is going to see Callie rise up the fan faves, Callie quickly discovers that Jay is really this cop at M. Saracusa, thanks to him paying for their bowling tab, their <laughs> innocent date bowling tab with his real card. And she decides to use this against him in a very shifty Shauna move. I thought it was, a, yeah, really so well good. done. She just immediately says to him, oh man, 
you're right. We should we should take things slow because he seems to think it's only illegal if he sleeps with her, which seems extremely <laughs> fucked up, but probably true. And she's like, you're right. We should take things slow because I just found out my mom, she was cheating on my dad, but it wasn't with that guy that you think she murdered. No, it was with Randy. Poor old schlubby oh, Randy. Randy. Back in the forest, lovely Crystal and Misty are bonding over their it's mutual beautiful. crush on Jack Kevorkian, famous Dr. Death. I love what he's doing. I yes. just think what Misty he's doing is so, so noble. Important. It's so important. It's so, so important. good. In retrospect, is it a red flag that Misty loves a guy who takes people's lives? Like, that's her. Not feeling very hopeful for the fates of all those old people that she works with. Oh, God. It's looking bad. Looking bad. Oh, God. Speaking of Misty in the present, Walter, lovely Elijah Wood, doing just the most here. Yeah. He's trying to bond with her. They're playing two truths and a lie. He is very rich. He owns many Taco Bell bonds, even though and stocks. <laughs> he's been listening to market moves, but he's never eaten there. Misty does not care because all she cares about is finding Natalie. That's right. And Natalie is stuck at Lottie's compound. And eventually when Misty gets there, Natalie's like, please go away. Don't ruin this for me. Van and Ty, they're reunited. You might think it's romantic. You might have been hoping for the lesbian love affair. No. Van is pissed off. Van's like, I know why you're here. Yeah. She's like, I haven't seen you for a long time. Why are you here? It must be that sleepwalking. Sleepwalking again, killing people, chopping dogs' heads off. How did you guess? And Ty's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but I got you this pen with like a, a boobs. You can see a woman's <laughs> boobs. And Van is actually very charmed because we learn here that they were together long enough that they attended Jeff and Shauna's wedding together where they used one of these boob pens to upset like Jeff's mom. She could see the bosoms. She was very upset. <laughs> And <laughs> poor Jeff, speaking of Jeff, Shauna and Callie finally begin to bond as Callie reveals that she's now a criminal mastermind who's lying to the cops. Jeff is very upset, but Shauna's like, wait a minute. <laughs> poor Jeff. I know, Jeff poor is Jeff. just like every day is like some other piece of insane bad news. Hey, honey, I'm having an affair. Also, I killed the guy. Uh, hey, honey, uh, uh, our daughter is fucking a cop. And he knows about <laughs> it. And also she's complicit because I decided the best thing to do was to like tell her that I'm a murderer. Yeah. So Shauna is very impressed with Callie's plan, though she does later on in the episode say it would have been better if you slept with him because then it would have been inadmissible. What a fucking crazy thing what to say. What a crazy thing to say, Theodore. Absolutely <laughs> nuts. So Shauna's like, Callie, good plan. I'm going to go to the motel with Randy and pretend to have <laughs> sex with him. And you're going to tell the cops my mom's going to have sex with Randy at the motel. This is a terrible plan because Randy's an idiot. So I already knew this yeah. was going badly, but good for making the most of it. Why don't you just actually fuck Randy? Literally, you've already like everything else yeah, has happened. You've already like, had an affair and then killed the person you had an affair with. somebody yeah, who's or, actually going to have sex with you. Yeah, and you involved your husband and all that. Just have sex with Randy yeah, or anyone. Or Jeff go with you and yeah. you have sex with Jeff and Randy just being there. I don't know. There's some kind of plan that could have been bad. Meanwhile, in the wilderness, oh, Travis is trying to break through to Harvey. Harvey's still staying quiet. Nobody knows where he went. Nobody knows what happened. I, I am with Travis here. Harvey, I know... It's been tough. You've been out there. No one knows what you've been going through. It's crazy. Yada, 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 yada. Bro, where the fuck have you been? That's all I need to know. Yeah. He's like, saying, just tell me that one thing. <laughs> Nothing else. Just, <laughs> just tell me that. How you did you survive? have to fucking answer me. Yeah, literally. And obviously, Travis is still, you know, he's saying to him, like, it's okay. Like, some fucked up shit happened on Doomcoming. Like, they did try and have an orgy and rape me and then try and kill me. It was really <laughs> fucked up. I'm sorry you saw that. And finally... As Natalie's like, don't worry, man, like, it, it, just give him time. 
Listeners, you've been waiting for us to acknowledge it. Yeah. You've been waiting for Travis to acknowledge it. Travis yells at Natalie and is like, fuck you. You faked the bloody clothes that you found in the forest to make me give up looking for Harvey. I mean, fair play to Travis, but if I'm Natalie here, I'm doubling, tripling, quadrupling mm-hmm. down and just being like, what? There's fucking bloody, there was bloody clothes out there. I, I don't know where, I thought it was his. I don't know where it came from. That, you're right. She should have done that. She's too honest, too pure. I will say, she's right though. She's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I thought he was dead. Sorry, he should be dead. What the fuck is going on? It it absolutely doesn't make sense, but that's a, it's a very tough message when he is there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's also like really funny because Javi's like, uh, Travis is like, you know, maybe I could have saved him. Like, and he wouldn't be so no, fucked up. I was wouldn't. like, bro, it was just like three days yeah, later or something. It, like, it was not much of a difference. Speaking of Natalie, she's trying to enact her plans to uncover Lottie's evil. Uh, again, sees Misty, not happy about it. Meets Walter. She's like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> Misty leaves. And uh, it's a big Misty episode this week. Yeah. Because uh, here we go. Getting to some of This is the big moment this episode. We learn a lot about Misty's twisted view on friendship. As she and Crystal grow ever closer, they're bonding over these weird secrets, like too having happy. a crush on Kevorkian. Too, they're, too warm. They're too warm. They're too, too optimistic. You could feel the darkness. Something was in. going to happen, and they're bonding. They're telling their darkest secrets. Crystal's talking about I how get, she let a guy yeah. finger bang her in the lead up to Hello That's Birdie. Right. Misty walked in on her parents having bye sex. Bye bye Birdie. Bye bye Birdie. Bye bye Birdie. Oh yeah. That was the song they were singing yeah. when it happened. And uh, Misty gets too comfortable because Crystal's really selling it. Crystal's yeah. like, we are I, so I lucky. Yeah. No, not many people find people who will accept them for who they We're truly soulmates. are. And I was like looking ex- at the screen and I was like, don't Anything, do it, Misty. Your deepest, darkest secrets, I will accept, I accept that all about you. Whatever it is, we I accept are so everything lucky. about you. Misty's face is glowing and I'm like, Misty, do not fucking do it, but I know you're going to do it. And Misty says, you got to pinky swear. So they pinky swear. And she reveals to Crystal that the day after they crashed, (laughs) she found the black box and GPS tracker of the plane and destroyed it. And she's like, don't tell anyone. And Crystal's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're a psycho. You're the reason we never got rescued. Like, and Misty's like, oh, I'm just joking. Oh, oh, yeah, you can't do that. And Crystal's (laughs) like, she's like, you're not that good of an actor. (laughs) Brutal. (laughs) Brutal. And so... You know, Crystal rightfully, or should I say Krista, as we realized that, that her real name is Kristen, yeah. I think. And she just never let anyone know because she's kind of meek and they got her name wrong and gave her a cool nickname, Crystal the Pistol. So she's backing away from Misty. She's going to tell everyone, understandably. Obviously, Misty's freaking the fuck out because she's got a vague bit of acceptance post-poisoning people. And so she walks up to her, and I mean, Samantha Hanratty really delivers because she is terrified. Really, really delivers. It's all in the eyes. I she, believe that she I will kill. It. She looks I believe at Crystal, she would kill. and Crystal says, what are you going to do, poison me? And Misty says, no, I will fucking kill you. And it's so scary that Crystal kind of steps back over the edge of a cliff. Whoops. R.I.P. Accidentally on purpose, Misty's first murder I will say occurred. this, that is... I think the penalty for breaking the pinky swear. Okay. You swore that you would accept anything that Misty told you, and then you took it back after you pinky swore just because she destroyed the black box and consigned all of you to endless weeks and months trapped in the wilderness. You said you were her best friend. Dead bodies. You said you, you were said her best friend. You said you were her best friend. You can't take that back, and now you're dead. That was fate. It. You know, 
Misty did not actually push her, so that was fate pushing her over the edge. But yeah, she, uh, I mean, Misty like crowded her. She crowded her. It was, her it to was the like edge. It, it was, was a murder. It wasn't a full like arms extended, but it was like I'm gonna get in your space and make a really scary face, and I understand that you are like heels to a cliff. Yeah, it was accidentally on purpose. Yeah, but we can say we have seen Misty's first victim at least as early as we know. And and by the way, bad actress. I'm sorry, Crystal. You didn't see Misty playing off finding oh. your dead body. You didn't see that because oh that was Meryl Streep level. Shit. She is fucking ready. So things aren't going much better in the present for Misty. Where we find out in an incredibly strange reflection that almost made me feel like, was Walter somehow related to Crystal? And this is like a weird vengeance plan. Walter reveals that he knows that Adam, well, RIP to Adam, it. who wasn't Harvey. He's like, he was murdered. And he, it was you, I think. You what did a, it. Also, what a weird tone he does it in. Yeah, I just kind of like decided that you did it. Yeah. I think you did it. And then in what? And then in what is defense? He's <laughs> like, but you got to understand. He's like, my grandma. I loved her. She sent me a Christmas card every year from prison because she murdered my grandpa. That's right. But you know what? She was a good person. Like you're a good person. He's like, you're you're edgy. You're impulsive. You're charming. Basically, all the hallmarks of a serial killer. And I just want you to know, I accept you. And Misty's like, not fucking doing this shit again. <laughs> Fuck you. And she just leaves. She's like, I am not fucking doing that shit. And she's like, I'm going to go join Lottie's cult because i got to save my real friend, Natalie. You know what? Natalie doesn't really want to help, but I, once again, appreciate Misty's tenacity. Van and Ty, we're getting a lot of history here. Yeah. Ty is a sh- really bad friend. Yeah. Bad ex, bad friend. Van's yeah. mum died. Van's mum. Bad partner, bad mom. Bad partner, mom, bad mom. Bad, like, bad, bad state owner. senator. Bad, bad owner. Wait a minute. What's going on about the state senatorship, <laughs> yeah. actually? Good point. I know, like, when has she been in the office? Like, like what never. point did she do her work? So we learned that Van's mum, who it seems like is implied that she was probably quite homophobic and toxic, Van had to take care of her for years as she died of cancer in Van's apartment. Van's business is going to shit. And Ty is like, doing all this kind of weird emotional manipulation where she's like, I don't want your help because, you know, I don't want you to get hurt like everybody who I love. But it's like, babe, you turned up at her house with no notice. So you kind of do want her help. And once again, like Bernie Sanders, we are asking for Ty to please get some professional help. And I'm like, leave Van alone. Shauna and Randy's fake date is happening. It's really good. Shauna is absolutely decimating Randy, basically blackmailing him because he blackmailed her. And she's like, go and jerk off in this condom. It's a terrible idea. Randy cannot do it. And instead he's like, oh, there's some lotion. This will work. This could in no way backfire. I mean, it's not, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a biologist. It's, I don't think it's the same material. I would say, I think we can make that guess. <laughs> right. At least. Natalie, can we check, uh, guys, can guys, we, uh, can fact we do, check. fact check, is lotion the same as semen? <laughs> we need that one fact check, guys. Shauna is not the only one doing a little confrontation as Natalie tries to show down Lottie and say Lottie's scamming her followers. But turns out, another surprise, Lottie's actually been super transparent. I gotta say. The followers give up their belongings and personal goods. They they give their info to Lottie because they trust her. Five stars on Yelp. Yeah, five stars for the wellness cult. And Lottie kind of breaks through to Nat in this moment, which is going to lead to this kind of huge shocking potential reveal at the end of the episode thanks to some immersive regression therapy. Before we get to that, we're in the past. Lottie's freaking Shauna out. She's talking to the baby. Shauna's like, I'm out. I'm gone. She goes into the woods. Where's she going? Nobody knows. But her and Ty are going to get stuck in a winter storm and it's going to end rather badly. 
Harvey reveals his first line, which he tells to useless Coach Ben. So I'm not sure why he did that, but I guess he doesn't know he's been useless. And he says, my friend told me not to come back. Who's he talking about? Who is he talking about? Antler Queen, some kind of other friend, whoever he was staying with. And then we get that Oscar-winning oh, acting incredible. from Misty as she makes it back to the cabin. This is also incredibly raw to Crystal because Misty's like, oh my God, I was out there. I lost Crystal in the snow. Oh my God, I was screaming her name. And not a, a, a Keela in her, give her her juice. She's like, we need to go find her. Everyone else goes, oh my God, Ty and Sean are out <laughs> yeah. there and just leave. And it's like, poor Crystal, never getting the respect you deserve. Never at all. A van's home. We see nighttime Ty for the first time in a while. And she says, this isn't where we're supposed to be. Very ominous after kissing Van unconsensually. Begging the question, where does she want them to go? Well, I'm sure we may find out soon. Mm-hmm. At Lottie's compound, Misty joins giving up all of her belongings. She's kind of like digging it a little bit. And Nat decides that she's going to do regression therapy with Lottie. We learn a lot about her last night with Travis here. The pair got high, even though Travis was in a relationship and was trying to get clean, and she OD'd. While she overdosed, she had a nightmarish vision which showed all the girls on the plane dead. Dun, dun, dun! Very lost. Burnt up as if they never survived the crash at all. And she says, we didn't make it. And Lottie says, none of us. Natalie claims that they brought something terrible back from the woods with them, and that is apparently what the note meant that Travis left where he said Natalie was right. Something did come back. So the big question is, did they actually survive at all or is this all lost? Or are we in I, that parallel timeline? I think it's. I think they did survive, but I think it's Final Destination. I yes. think they cheated death. They cheated death and now he wants it back. And speaking of cheating death, Shauna is about to die in a forest in the snow because she's going into labor. But using Lottie's mysterious meditation powers... The girls call Ty and Shauna back to the cabin just as Shauna goes into labor. And in one of the best needle drops in a series full of them, Misty says, is she going into labor? And (laughs) then they play Mother by Danzig. And uh, the baby is coming. Long live the baby. And it's on to Yellow Jackets episode six. X-Ray Vision will be back. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. Hold on to your cape as we journey through the internet to get to the X-Ray Vision YouTube channel. You can watch me, Jason Concepcion. And me, Rosie Knight, every week for expert analysis and deep dives into your favorite franchises. Test your fandom knowledge with discussions on the latest nerd news, castings, and show lore. Subscribe to the X-Ray Vision YouTube now. And listen to new episodes from us every Wednesday and Friday. And we're back. This episode... If you've watched it, sorry that you've already watched it. If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. And then I'm sorry that you're going to watch it. 
Qui, directed by documentarian Liz Garbus and written by Karen Joseph Adcock and Amini Rosa. In a very nostalgic 90s flashback, Coach Ben leads a health class session on pregnancy. Misty is extremely into all it. All fun and games. Then. All fun and games. All fun and games. Lots of flirting, lots of shenanigans. Misty wants to know how much blood there is, but everyone else couldn't be less interested in what's going on on the screen. Ironic, seeing as one of them will soon be giving birth yes. to Blur's song too. It's Shauna. And people are singing woohoo. As she screams in agony and the girls freak out, Misty was planning to be the doula alongside with Crystal, but now Crystal is gone, aka murdered. Misty doesn't know what to do. Camp Greenpine, Misty's given up her phone. Walter's still texting her. Well, yeah. What's going to happen? Who's I, I need to know more. I want to know how he's going to come back into it. We only have three episodes left of Yellow Jacket season what two. What do you think now? Let, let me ask you. It feels like Walter is going to be the as as dark and twisted as Misty is. It feels like Walter is going to be an even more dark I mean, and twisted character. He is. I think the way they're setting him up is being sort of like infinitely wealthy. Yeah. And he doesn't have to do anything. And all he does is this kind of true crime. I would assume he's kind of a perfect crime killer. He has so right, much like money. A, he can get away with whatever he wants. He's like a most dangerous game guy. Uh-huh. Very girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. You know, you have a huge compound and you can do whatever you want. So maybe Misty has had a clean escape here. It could be because maybe Walter is a wants to punish people who he thinks are guilty kind of killer. So he finds people like Misty who he decides to have murdered and then decides to murder them. Lottie, understandably quite freaked out when she sees Misty. Interestingly as well, seems like all of the girls thought Lottie was still institutionalized. Yeah. So they had not checked in on her for a while. But... This made me feel very sad as someone who has struggles with mental health and is kind of like knows and loves a lot of people who do. Lottie starts to see Misty arriving as kind of like it inspires some magical thinking. Mm -hmm. And she starts to think like, well, the wilderness is sending these people to me. There's a reason that this is happening. And so suddenly she's like, well, Misty, why don't you stay? She's like, you love Natalie, right? Could be good for her. Could be good for your friend. And you know what? Looks like Shauna's going to need somewhere to hide too. Because Kevin Tan, good old Kevin, Natalie's old boy, calls him up to the police station and he's like, hey, I need to talk to you. Jeff's like, babe, I've got your back. She's like, not you. (laughs) You are irrelevant. She's like, he wants to talk to me and our daughter, Callie. Look. This is Callie's high moment. This is the high watermark of Callie. Callie is too real. Shauna is losing it at this point. She is so chaotic. I will say, this is a crazy thing to say. We did mention this. But she does say to Callie, Callie's like, you know, I wasn't sleeping with him. We were just hanging out. Look, Shauna has no morals, no boundaries, and is very chaotic. But she's not exactly wrong when she says it would have been better if you just sleep with him. Then everything you would have told him would have been admissible. I will say, though, I feel like it's all inadmissible. I feel like lying to a teenager. It can't be right. No, it feels so. Going on a date with a teenager. Multiple dates. Multiple dates. Who you picked up in a in a bar. She's underage. For the express purpose of discovering whether her mom killed a guy or not feels... Might not hold up in court. I don't think it's right. No. I don't think it's right. In There's many things going wrong in this episode, including in the wilderness, Shauna is in labor. We're here. The big episode is happening. The baby is coming. And the girls are really struggling to behave in like a non-insane way. Yeah. The reality of what is happening is quickly setting in. Lottie's crew starts saying unhinged things. Lottie's like, let's share our hopes. And Mari goes, wilderness, I hope that Shauna doesn't die. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously Shauna's like, what the fuck? 
Lottie starts a prayer circle and Ty's love for Shauna. I mean, Jasmine Savoy Brown kills this episode. Yeah. It really shines through because she starts to push the cult away and basically decide she's going to support Shauna through this pain and the fear of the fact that this labor could go on for days. And Jasmine delivers this like series best line where she's like, you can fucking do anything to Shauna when Shauna's like, I can't do this. And it's just kind of the kind of line delivery that makes you tear up. At Lottie's, you know, modern day wilderness compound, Natalie is dealing with the fallout of her vision and kind of really feeling like she killed Travis. Yes. She made him believe that something had come back. And, you know, Lisa, I'm really trying to work out. I can't work out if Nicole Maine's Lisa is going to be a major player or is just like a really genuine great person that they've introduced. Because she has infinite patience and grace. It's very, very true. It doesn't matter what Natalie does. It is just like Lisa is there. (laughs) Natalie's shooting a gun at some tin cans. Natalie's doing some crazy shit. And Lisa's there and she's like, I know things suck, man, but like we can get through this. And it's actually very, very nice. So I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. Van is sick of Ty's shit in the modern day as well. The nighttime Ty reunion did not go well. And she says to Ty, like, shelve these tapes, but you need to get out of here I mean, not even shelve. Don't worry about the tapes. I got it. Get the fuck out of my shop. Literally, that's what I Get out of here. I'm like, Van's too nice. You need to be gone out of that shop. Which, by the way, if you want to have some fun before the horrible things really start to get going this episode, the production design on Van's VHS shop is so fun. Like, every movie, they have airplane, they have... Like, fucking scream. Like, every movie that they highlight in there is so directly connected to the plot of the show and the kind of incredible queerness in, like, horror and genre cinema. It's just really fun. So, in the wilderness, Misty absolutely flops it. Like, it's all been leading to this. (laughs) She was obsessed with the video. But you know what? She's traumatized. Yeah. She actually is traumatized. I I wrote up a great interview that my... uh, My editor, Amelia, did at IGN. I wrote up a huge piece breaking down this episode. And Samantha says, like, this is really one of the first times that you see Misty as a human. Like, she is legitimately traumatized about what happened to Crystal, even though it was absolutely her fault. Just want to say that. So Misty runs away. Akil has to deliver the baby. And Natalie tries to bring in Coach Ben. At this point, I'm ready for them to eat Coach Ben because he is truly useless. I think they're doing a very good, interesting character arc of, like, the adult failing and the adult basically disassociating and not being able to tap into that feral nature that the girls can do. But Natalie tries to bring in Coach Ben and he is useless as ever and goes back to his disassociation (laughs) corner. I think that's unfair to Coach Ben. (laughs) Not necessarily inaccurate, but maybe unfair to his particular situation. He is, of course, concerned that one day he will be eaten. Okay, it is true. He did see the meat. (laughs) A person. And he is a person and he did not eat the person. So I do feel for him. But I do think there's a re- they're doing something really interesting here about the teenage girls are more open yeah. and flexible to this kind of horrific situation, whereas he is stuck in this idyllic past. There's this great moment where all he wants to do is just play charades. <laughs> and he's so scared and it's really, really just brilliantly done. But also I needed him to help with this baby. He didn't. Teenage girls are taking over. Travis... Honestly, another flop moment for me, but I get it. Like, Travis decides the best thing to do is to grab a giant creepy skull. Don't know where that came from. <laughs> what? Some kind of tree, creepy animal skull and commit a blood sacrifice. Ah. So he's fully on Team Lottie at this point. Shauna freaks the fuck out, understandably. And it does, as we will come to see, basically zero to materially help her labor. A big zero. Big zero. Also, 
probably very deeply. This seems like a Lottie and Travis like key memory here yeah. because she's like, the wilderness recognizes your sacrifice, <laughs> and so do I. And everyone's just looking at them like, what is wrong with you? Back in the future, Lottie is not doing too well, and I, I'm very. I will ask you about this actually. Yeah. So we see her at the therapist. Yeah. Who replaced her original therapist, who's been treating her for years. And she starts talking about how she's worried that she's never been sick and actually she's been right and the wilderness is now sending the survivors back to her. The power of that place. The therapist really doesn't seem to be questioning any of this. Do you think there's some kind of like nefarious... I was a big fan of this therapist at the beginning who wanted to kind of encourage Lottie to see the visions through and understand them and not repress them. But when she was talking about this, I was very interested in whether the therapist had a vested interest in Lottie I, believing that. I feel the same way. And I'm also, after, you know, what we see in this episode, which we're going to discuss soon, and what we've seen in other episodes, I'm also, of. I don't know how much to trust, like, is this therapist even real? Like, yeah. I, you know, like, how much of this is... Uh, accurate to what we're being presented because I yeah. don't know if that's even a th is she talking to herself is she talking to a real person is this happening in reality I don't know but I in, agree it yeah. feels weird we're in distinct unreliable narrative territory yeah. here and so it's really interesting because she basically just does this spiel where she's like I believe that the god of the place the, the wilderness it was real the power was real and I think other people felt it and that is why they're coming back and classic weird misty moment we get here at Camp Goompine where she basically realizes she's like a celebrity yeah. because she knows Lottie and Natalie so she's loving it her sociopathic tendencies are coming out Kelly and Shauna they head to the cop shop to chat to Kevin <laughs> and Detective Saracusa I would have said no this is unbelievable. I also would have got a lawyer. Yes. They're feeling excited. Never talk to the police without your lawyer. Please. But honestly, I get it. You I can't. also get it. Yeah, I get, get it. You kind of can't. I get it. And they're feeling exceedingly smug about the situation there in the two detectives, especially Saracusa, who, oh, what a punchable face. While Jeff, in one of another classic Jeff moment, he sits outside the police station just blaring fuck the police. <laughs> Jeff, is a, Jeff is a very, very simple guy. Yeah, I love him. Really feeling that. He wants a, a, a banging tune and he wants the furniture moving out of the store. Exactly. That's all he, he wants. wants to and sell he's a happy. Piece. That's it. As Shauna battles through labor in the past, Akila realizes that the placenta has been birthed before the baby. Which that, that seems bad. It seems bad. And as we, uh, if you join our Discord, there's lots of good medical uh, insight in there about what went wrong here. Voting very badly for Shauna's child. Lottie quickly realizes that things went wrong and actually does something good and goes to Misty and says, look, Let's I don't get know. the expert. Yeah, what the fuck is going on here? But you need to come back. Like, you yeah. understand this stuff and we need you. While Lottie and her crew creepily pledge allegiance to the wilderness, would rather they didn't do that, but sure. Yeah. Misty talks Shauna through her labor and she seems to have come back to the present. And after Shauna passes out, we get to meet her son. Very creepy. Lottie was right. She kept calling the baby a he. And all of her loving friends are around her. It's a rare moment of happiness for the survivors in the bleakness of winter. I will also say, very reminiscent moment. If you remember after Jackie passed away in mm -hmm. the snow, Shauna had a dream where she woke up and saw everyone looking happy and Jackie was there and all was well. So beware. As Van and Ty kind of snark their way through the morning and the present day, Misty calls Ty and so finally Ty picks up. And she's like, oh, by the way, Lottie's got a compound. 
You got to check it out. You got to check it out. She's like, you got to check this place weirdos, out. But the food's delicious. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And because the reunion has to be a holistic one, Ty's like, well, I'm going to call Shauna. Shauna doesn't pick up because she's in the fucking police station. Yeah. But Jeff is on the phone and he's like, I'll take a, I'll this take a message. This is one of the funny, yeah, uh, she's in the bathroom. She, You know how she is. She takes a really long time <laughs> in the bathroom. And I was like, guys, like, Jeff. Uh, and, and Ty's like, uh, okay, well, guess what? We're... All on our way or already at Lottie's uh, wellness compound upstate and just thought Shauna should know. Seems like something she'd want to know, you know. Kevin and Saracusa go for good cop, bad cop. The former interviewing Callie and trying to be kind and say, I know your mom. And the latter trying to get Shauna to break. Melanie Linsky, Melanie Linsky's at a high level. As she either finally kind of breaks or plays Saracusa beautifully, I actually think it's the former mm-hmm. on a couple of watches, telling him she never wanted to be a mum, she never wanted to be married, and that she did I have an affair. I after can't Adam. believe this worked, but it really it, looks like it's going to. It actually to. looks like it's going to work. And she, and then at the end, she's like, "Yeah, I did have an affair, actually." And she should have remembered Misty's cookie rule, which was basically shut the fuck up and ask for a lawyer, because yes. that will come back to bite her. In the other room. Callie is doing very well. Callie is She's emerging. doing a Shauna impression. Absolutely emerging here. Like a LeBron James type <laughs> performance coming out of nowhere. I We've been really hard on Callie have, this season. We have, but you know what? She's coming through. She's coming through. And she says to Kevin, she's like, you know what? Maybe Saracusa slept with me to get this information that he wanted. Who's get, who are they going to believe? Yeah, who's who's to say he didn't? Who's to say he didn't? I mean, and where's the line between what he did do and what That's right. I'm saying he did? You know what? As we've said many times, just want to say it again, feels like she wouldn't even need to do that because of the way he got this information. <laughs> yes. But you know what? Just to be sure, it's really great because like Jeff and Shauna are having this huge kind of blow up in the car where Jeff's like, you're losing it. You're going to fucking blow our lives up. I feel it. The chaos is coming. Jason was right on X-ray vision. You want to just blow up your whole life. Yes. And Callie gets into the car and she's like, Mom, I did exactly what you said. And it went great. I love when toxicity and the covering up of crimes brings a family together. (laughs) It's so heartwarming. It's so heartwarming. And, you know, guess what? Jeff's like, you need to leave because you're a fucking liability. And it's really lucky. All your friends... They're going to see Lochte. No, she's not in a mental institute anymore. She actually runs this really creepy wellness place called Camp Greenpine, and everyone's there. So why and don't let me you tell go? You, it's going to give you nostalgic vibes. It's going to make you feel like you're in the wilderness it again, really which is, is just what you want. Speaking of the wilderness, we get this great Sophie Nellies, who plays young Shauna, just absolutely delivers this episode. We get these early days of motherhood where Shauna struggles to bond with her baby. He won't latch. She won't breastfeed. Right. It's heartbreaking. And it, the crying is driving everybody crazy. Baby wanted to milk. Baby wanted to milk. And you don't want to be in that cabin. You're, you're already trying to survive some... a harsh winter and you hear a baby crying all the time. Nobody wants to hear and, that. And not to, not to mention, but they're starving. You know, they haven't been eating a lot of people. Uh, and so there just isn't... Uh, her body's just not, really also not producing not the milk. Yeah, And, you know... It's been going badly for Shauna, but it gets worse when Lottie takes him out of the crib in the middle of the night and tries to breastfeed him. And Shauna's like, absolutely not. It's very ominous. And after that, the next day, Shauna finally gets him to latch after espousing how she just loves him and she never thought she wanted to be a mom, but she can just can't wait for all the things he's going to do. And it's going to yeah. be so brilliant. And he latches and she breastfeeds him. 
And as she promises her son, like, I love you so much, you'll definitely be tearing up. It's, it's such a good moment. And there's this great hope. And Natalie comes in and she's like, oh, my God, he's fucking breastfeeding. And Shauna's like, just let me do this by myself. Like, I need it. I need this moment. But as you know, good things don't really last long <laughs> in the world. Really Yellow don't. jacket, so prepare yourself. Van and Ty are kind of having this funny argument outside Camp Green Pine. And Van's like, I'm definitely not going in there which is very interesting seeing as how she reacts when she inevitably sees Lottie. And they see Shauna just roll up. I don't know how close that police station was, but Shauna is there and she is driving that red minivan into the camp. So Van's like, fuck it, I'm going in. We're all here, it's happening. It's a Yellow Jackets wilderness reunion. The adult women gather by the lake. While Van claims that she was planning to leave immediately, all of that changes because when she sees Lottie and Lauren Ambrose sells this shit so hard, she is just like entranced. Yeah. Like Lottie turns around and Van's whole face just drops. It was really, and the shot perfectly framed against like the woods. It really is good. I want to know what it means. Like I need to know. As the camera kind of pans up and we get to see the whole compound, we see that the women are, of course, standing in a giant version of the creepy symbol from the forest. It seems like an ominous enough ending and it cuts to black. And I know that a bud of mine, and I'm sure he was not the only one, actually thought it was the end of the episode because you get that big cliffhanger moment. Yeah. No. Shauna wakes up. Her baby is gone in the past. The beautiful, twiggy, horrible crib that was made for them is empty. And she enters the main living space of the cabin to find the moment that many viewers foresaw, including us, we wondered if it was going to happen, and the girls are feasting on the baby. I This was horrific, but I also knew it wasn't real, thank God. They they shot it in a certain way that you could tell. And there were people involved in it, like Natalie, who I feel like you. there were moments where you knew. And it is horrible, it's gruesome, it's gory. I'm sure we got a lot of yells out of people. I would have loved to have some funny reaction cams to that. But... When Shauna wakes up from the dream, we realize that she has not, none of what we saw was true. She has been in the same position in labor that we've seen her before she passed out. She's laid out there. She's tired. She's sweaty. And instead of the smiling faces that she sees when we saw her wake up the first time, she sees that her friends are heartbroken because as Ty and Misty tell her, the baby didn't survive. Heartbreaking. It is one of the most bummer endings of like any prestige show I've seen in a long time. And Sophie Nelise sells it so hard where she cries and she says, why can't you hear him crying? And she just looks straight at the camera as they do a side wipe and the screen cuts to black. It is like, I didn't want to rewatch it because it's so moving. Let me ask you this. Crazy theory for a crazy show. A crazy show. Um, mysterious figure. A mysterious person. Shauna's ghost son? Oh, I would love to see it. I think, I mean, why not? I like, like this he's, idea. He's, he's alive in a he's different... The, he's the spirit the of world. the wilderness, yeah. that kind of limbo space. I could definitely see that. I could Also, that would give you a, a very unique take on the Final Destination type situation. I also want to know, who is Harvey's friend who looked after him in the forest? I think that could be an antler queen. I paused episode five so many times when I was writing a piece for IGN because there is a moment in Natalie's vision where you see the antler queen take the 
the chain mail off. I haven't been able to see who it was, but I did think it looked kind of like Natalie, that kind of idea that it's all in them. But yeah, I love the idea that it could be the spirit of Shauna's baby. Though I do think um, in the interview at IGN, the showrunners talked quite extensively about just wanting that to be like a moment of realism. Because really, let's be real, they were never going to be able to birth that baby in a safe way in that cabin. Yeah, Akila, God bless her. She was literally like stroking a mouse while delivering the baby. Yes. Like it was going to go badly. There was not there was not a cleanliness or sense of uh you know urgency there. So I don't know but I want to know I w- I want to know what's going to happen because how much longer, right? Is this like a Twin Peaks type situation where they're going to be forced to give some kind of answer in a second season to keep people watching or are we going to be like five seasons in like lost? I think you have to well, listen, we're in the middle of a writer's strike to take us out of the fictional world for a minute. Yes, and Yellow of, Jackets n- did just go on strike after their first day writing season three. Nothing is promised in this world. Is there an, even an official pickup for season three? There had been official pickup and they just started working on the first. They'd literally worked on it like a morning before they went on strike. I think you got to start bringing the plane down to a landing level. Not all the way to ground level, but like within sight yeah, of yeah, the airport. The, the little wheels are coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, uh, or I guess you could just leave it um, leave it mysterious if, if the real world and the strike and other things continue to intrude on the ability to tell the story. But it feels like we got we to gotta come away from this season understanding what the f is going on yeah yeah a little bit more of the threat or yeah. the or, and even if that turns out to be a red herring we at least want a little bit of that yes. answer yes up next more yellow jackets in the nerd out in today's nerd out where you tell us what you love and why or a theory you're excited to share chauncey shares a yellow jackets theory very relevant chauncey talise writes Nat revealed she had a vision and that there is a darkness inside all of them. Internally, this is true and perhaps might manifest itself externally. My theory is that they all discover that the only way to rid themselves of it, the darkness, is to become a team again. They are all varying levels of miserable apart and their full power can only be realized when they're together. I believe that this is true. Mm-hmm. Whether what exactly the, How it the mechanism is, I completely agree. And I think that that ties in very well to what we saw in episode six, where for the first time they're all back together. Yeah, they need to I get would, together. To I'm a campy this. person, so I would really love if it meant like they had to play like a football game together against evil. But I don't think that's what it's going to be. But I do think this idea of the team coherence and the coming together and actually choosing to be a group again and finding that community is going to be integral to defeating whatever they brought back with them. Thanks, Chauncey. If you have theories or passions you want to share, hit us up, x-ray at crooked.com. Instructions in the show notes. That's it for us. Rosie, any plugs? I'm plugging the WGA. I'm doing it. We're talking about TV, baby. Look at that. WGA captain. Support those writers. Share the their posts. If you can't make it out to the strike pickets, then share the posts on social media. Support the Entertainment Community Fund, which we will link to in the show notes. And yeah, just spread the word. My friend Tanika made some really cool digital signs that you can make to share on your social media. There's all kinds of great ways. And if you are in New York or LA, think about showing up to a picket or sending some food, sending some supplies. It's a, it's a good way to spend your time. That's wonderful. 
Catch the next episode on Friday, May 12th, which will be a mailbag episode. So mail your questions to x-ray at crooked.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can tweet to at XRVPod to let us know what's on your mind. We can't wait to talk to you and answer those questions that we get. I can't wait to record that episode. It's going to be so much fun. We love a good mailbag. And remember, subscribe on YouTube where you can watch full episodes of the show. Sometimes we are here in our fancy studio and sometimes we are on Zoom with loads of cool stuff behind us. Check out our Discord to meet with tons of cool, amazing fans and hang out. We talk about all kinds of stuff in there. We really do. There was some really great Yellow Jackets conversation, kind of understanding what probably happened with Shauna and the baby. Just really insightful, good stuff. Five-star ratings, five-star reviews. We need them. We got to have them. You got to give them to us. Here's one from Jeff Ashey. 1010, no notes. X-Ray Vision (laughs) is a recurring bright spot in my week. Jason and Rosie have amazing chemistry, and their show movie recaps have me laughing throughout. I almost enjoy the recap more than the content being recapped. Thank you! Thank you! Appreciate that! X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin and executive produced by me, Jason Concepcion. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Video production by Delon Villanueva and Rachel Gajewski. Social media by Ewa Okalati and Caroline Dunphy. Thank you to Brian Vasquez for our theme today. See you next time. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Bravo. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. ba ba ba